Chapter 25, Part 1 of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Koenig. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Section 57. Chapter 25. Etna. External Physiognomy of Etna. Lateral Cones their successive obliteration, early eruptions, Montirossi in 1669, towns overflowed by lava, part of Catania overflowed, mode of advance of a current of lava, subterranean caverns, marine strata at base of Etna, Val del Bove not an ancient crater, its scenery, form, composition, and origin of the dikes. Linear direction of cones formed in 1811 and 1819. Lavas and breccias. Flood produced by the melting of snow by lava. Glacier covered by a lava stream. Val del Bove how formed. Structure and origin of the cone of Etna. Whether the inclined sheets of lava were originally horizontal. Antiquity of Etna. Whether signs of diluvial waves are observable on Etna. External Physiognomy of Etna After Vesuvius, our most authentic records relate to Etna, which rises near the sea in solitary grandeur to the height of nearly 11,000 feet. Footnote. In 1815, Captain Smythe ascertained, trigonometrically, that the height of Etna was 10,874 feet. The Catanians, disappointed that their mountain had lost nearly 2,000 feet of the height assigned to it by Recupero, refused to acquiesce in the decision. Afterwards, in 1824, Sir J. Herschel, not being aware of Captain Smythe's conclusions, determined by careful barometrical measurement that the height was 10,872.5 feet. This singular agreement of results so differently obtained was spoken of by Herschel as a happy accident, but Dr. Wollaston remarked that it was one of those accidents which would not have happened to two fools. End footnote. The base of the cone is almost circular and eighty-seven English miles in circumference. But if we include the whole district over which its lavas extend, the circuit is probably twice that extent. Divided into three regions. The cone is divided by nature into three distinct zones, called the fertile, the woody, and the desert regions. The first of these, comprising the delightful country around the skirts of the mountain, is well cultivated, thickly inhabited, and covered with olives, vines, corn, fruit trees, and aromatic herbs. Higher up, the woody region encircles the mountain, an extensive forest six or seven miles in width, affording pasturage for numerous flocks. The trees are of various species, the chestnut, oak, and pine being most luxuriant, while in some tracts are groves of cork and beech. Above the forest is the desert region, a waste of black lava and scoriae, where on a kind of plain rises a cone of eruption to the height of about eleven hundred feet, from which sulfurous vapors are continually evolved. Cones produced by lateral eruption. The most grand and original feature in the physiognomy of Etna is the multitude of minor cones which are distributed over its flanks, and which are most abundant in the woody region. These, although they appear but trifling irregularities when viewed from a distance as subordinate parts of so imposing and colossal a mountain, would nevertheless be deemed hills of considerable altitude in almost any other region. 
without enumerating numerous monticules of ashes thrown out at different points there are about eighty of these secondary volcanoes of considerable dimensions fifty-two on the west and north and twenty-seven on the east side of etna one of the largest called monte minardo near bronte is upwards of seven hundred feet in height and a double hill near nicolosi called monte rossi formed in sixteen sixty nine is four hundred fifty feet high and the base two miles in circumference so that it somewhat exceeds in size monte nuovo before described yet it ranks only as a cone of the second magnitude amongst those produced by the lateral eruptions of etna on looking down from the lower borders of the desert region these volcanoes present us with one of the most delightful and characteristic scenes in europe they afford every variety of height and size and are arranged in beautiful and picturesque groups however uniform they may appear when seen from the sea or the plains below nothing can be more diversified than their shape when we look from above into their craters one side of which is generally broken down there are indeed few objects in nature more picturesque than a wooded volcanic crater the cones situated in the higher parts of the forest zone are chiefly clothed with lofty pines while those at a lower elevation are adorned with chestnuts oaks beech and holm successive obliteration of these cones the history of the eruptions of etna imperfect and interrupted as it is affords us nevertheless much insight into the manner in which the whole mountain has successively attained its present magnitude and internal structure the principal cone has more than once fallen in and been reproduced in fourteen forty four it was three hundred twenty feet high and fell in after the earthquakes of fifteen thirty seven in the year sixteen ninety three when a violent earthquake shook the whole of sicily and killed sixty thousand persons the cone lost so much of its height says bocone that it could not be seen from several places in valdemone from which it was before visible the greater number of eruptions happen either from the great crater or from lateral openings in the desert region when hills are thrown up in the middle zone and project beyond the general level they gradually lose their height during subsequent eruptions for when lava runs down from the upper parts of the mountain and encounters any of these hills the stream is divided and flows round them so as to elevate the gently sloping grounds from which they rise in this manner a deduction is often made at once of twenty or thirty feet or even more from their height thus one of the minor cones called monte peluso was diminished in altitude by a great lava stream which encircled it in fourteen forty four and another current has recently taken the same course yet this hill still remains four or five hundred feet high there is a cone called monte nucilla near nicolosi round the base of which several successive currents have flowed and showers of ashes have fallen since the time of history till at last during an eruption in fifteen thirty six the surrounding plain was so raised that the top of the cone alone was left projecting above the general level Montenero, situated above the Grotta del Capre, was in 1766 almost submerged by a current, and Monte Capriolo afforded, in the year 1669, a curious example of one of the last stages of obliteration, for a lava stream, descending on a high ridge which had been built up by the continued superposition of successive lavas, flowed directly into the crater and nearly filled it. The lava, therefore, of each new lateral cone tends to detract from the relative height of lower cones above their base, so that the flanks of Etna, sloping with a gentle inclination, envelop in succession a great multitude of minor volcanoes, while new ones spring up from time to time. Early Eruptions of Etna 
Etna appears to have been an activity from the earliest times of tradition, for Diodorus Siculus mentions an eruption which caused a district to be deserted by the Sicani before the Trojan War. Thucydides informs us that in the sixth year of the Peloponnesian War, or in the spring of the year 425 BC, a lava stream ravaged the environs of Catania, and this, he says, was the third eruption which had happened in Sicily since the colonization of that island by the Greeks. The second of the three eruptions alluded to by the historian took place in the year 475 BC, and was that so poetically described by Pindar two years afterwards in his first Pythian ode. Chion durania sunege nifoes aetna, panates chionos oxeas tithena. In these and the seven verses which follow, a graphic description is given of Etna, such as it appeared five centuries before the Christian era, and such as it has been seen when in eruption in modern times. The poet is only making a passing allusion to the Sicilian volcano as the mountain under which Typhaeus lay buried, yet by a few touches of his master hand every striking feature of the scene has been faithfully portrayed. We are told of the snowy Etna, the pillar of heaven, the nurse of everlasting frost, in whose deep caverns lie concealed the fountains of unapproachable fire, a stream of eddying smoke by day, a bright and ruddy flame by night, and burning rocks rolled down with loud uproar into the sea. Eruption of 1669, Monte Rossi formed. The great eruption which happened in the year 1669 is the first which claims particular attention. An earthquake had leveled to the ground all the houses in Nicolosi, a town situated near the lower margin of the woody region, about twenty miles from the summit of Etna, and ten from the sea at Catania. Two gulfs then opened near that town, from whence sand and scoriae were thrown up in such quantity that in the course of three or four months a double cone was formed, called Monte Rossi, about 450 feet high. But the most extraordinary phenomenon occurred at the commencement of the convulsion in the plain of San Leo. A fissure six feet broad and of unknown depth opened with a loud crash, and ran in a somewhat tortuous course to within a mile of the summit of Etna. Its direction was from north to south, and its length twelve miles. It emitted a most vivid light. Five other parallel fissures of considerable length afterwards opened, one after the other, and emitted smoke, and gave out bellowing sounds which were heard at the distance of forty miles. This case seems to present the geologist with an illustration of the manner in which those continuous dikes of vertical porphyry were formed, which are seen to traverse some of the older lavas of Etna. For the light emitted from the great rent of San Leo appears to indicate that the fissure was filled to a certain height with incandescent lava, probably to the height of an orifice not far distant from Monte Rossi, which at that time opened and poured out a lava current. When the melted matter in such a rent has cooled, it must become a solid wall or dike, intersecting the older rocks of which the mountain is composed. Similar rents have been observed during subsequent eruptions, as in 1832, when they ran in all directions from the centre of the volcano. It has been justly remarked by Monsieur Elie de Beaumont that such star-shaped fractures may indicate a slight upheaval of the whole of Etna, they may be the signs of the stretching of the mass, which may thus be raised gradually by a force from below. The lava current of 1669, before alluded to, soon reached in its course a minor cone called Montpelliere, at the base of which it entered a subterranean grotto, communicating with a suite of those caverns which are so common in the lavas of Etna. Here it appears to have melted down some of the vaulted foundations of the hill, so that the whole of that cone became slightly depressed and traversed by numerous open fissures. 
part of Catania destroyed. The lava, after overflowing fourteen towns and villages, some having a population of between three and four thousand inhabitants, arrived at length at the walls of Catania. These had been purposely raised to protect the city, but the burning flood accumulated till it rose to the top of the rampart, which was sixty feet in height, and then it fell in a fiery cascade and overwhelmed part of the city. The wall, however, was not thrown down, but was discovered long afterwards by excavations made in the rock by the Prince of Biscari, so that the traveller may now see the solid lava curling over the top of the rampart, as if still in the very act of falling. This great current performed the first thirteen miles of its course in twenty days, or at the rate of a hundred and sixty-two feet per hour, but required twenty-three days for the last two miles, giving a velocity of only twenty-two feet per hour and we learn from Dolomieu that the stream moved during part of its course at the rate of fifteen hundred feet an hour, and in others it took several days to cover a few yards. When it entered the sea it was still six hundred yards broad and forty feet deep. It covered some territories in the environs of Catania which had never before been visited by the lavas of Etna. While moving on, its surface was in general a mass of solid rock, and its mode of advancing, as is usual with lava streams, was by the occasional fissuring of the solid walls. A gentleman of Catania named Papalardo, desiring to secure the city from the approach of the threatening torrent, went out with a party of fifty men whom he had dressed in skins to protect them from the heat, and armed with iron crows and hooks. They broke open one of the solid walls which flanked the current near Belpasso, and immediately forth issued a rivulet of melted matter which took the direction of Paterno but the inhabitants of that town, being alarmed for their safety, took up arms and put a stop to farther operations. As another illustration of the solidity of the walls of an advancing lava stream, I may mention an adventure related by Recupero, who in 1766 had ascended a small hill formed of ancient volcanic matter to behold the slow and gradual approach of a fiery current two miles and a half broad, when suddenly two small threads of liquid matter issuing from a crevice detached themselves from the main stream and ran rapidly towards the hill he and his guide had just time to escape when they saw the hill which was fifty feet in height surrounded and in a quarter of an hour melted down into the burning mass so as to flow on with it but it must not be supposed that this complete fusion of rocky matter coming in contact with lava is of universal or even common occurrence it probably happens when fresh portions of incandescent matter come successively in contact with fusible materials. In many of the dikes which intersect the tufts and lavas of Etna, there is scarcely any perceptible alteration affected by heat on the edges of the horizontal beds in contact with the vertical and more crystalline mass. On the side of Montpellieri, one of the towns overflowed in the great eruption above described, an excavation was made in 1704 and by immense labor the workmen reached, at the depth of thirty-five feet, the gate of the principal church, where there were three statues held in high veneration. One of these, together with a bell, some money, and other articles, were extracted in a good state of preservation from beneath a great arch formed by the lava. It seems very extraordinary that any works of art not encased with tuff like those in Herculaneum should have escaped fusion in hollow spaces left open in this lava current, which was so hot at Catania eight years after it entered the town, that it was impossible to hold the hand in some of the crevices. Subterranean Caverns on Etna Mention was made of the entrance of a lava stream into a subterranean grotto, whereby the foundations of a hill were partially undermined. 
Such underground passages are among the most curious features on Etna, and appear to have been produced by the hardening of the lava, during the escape of great volumes of elastic fluids, which are often discharged for many days in succession after the crisis of the eruption is over. Near Nicolosi, not far from Montirosi, one of these great openings may be seen, called the Fossa della Palomba, 625 feet in circumference at its mouth, and 78 deep. After reaching the bottom of this, we enter another dark cavity, and then others in succession, sometimes descending precipices by means of ladders. At length the vaults terminate in a great gallery ninety feet long, and from fifteen to fifty broad, beyond which there is still a passage never yet explored, so that the extent of these caverns remains unknown. The walls and roofs of these great vaults are composed of rough and bristling scoriae of the most fantastic forms. Marine Strata at Base of Etna if we skirt the fertile region at the base of Etna on its southern and eastern sides, we behold marine strata of clay sand and volcanic tuff cropping out from beneath the modern lavas. The marine fossil shells occurring in these strata are all of them, or nearly all, identical with species now inhabiting the Mediterranean, and as they appear at the height of from 600 to 800 feet above the sea near Catania, they clearly prove that there has been in this region, as in other parts of Sicily farther to the south, an upward movement of the ancient bed of the sea. It is fair, therefore, to infer that the whole mountain, with the exception of those parts which are of very modern origin, has participated in this upheaval. If we view Etna from the south, we see the marine deposits above alluded to forming a low line of hills or a steep inland slope or cliff, as in the annexed drawing taken from the limestone platform of Primo Sole, figure 47. It should be observed, however, in reference to this view, that the height of the volcanic cone is ten times greater than the hills at its base, although it appears less elevated, because the summit of the cone is ten or twelve times more distant from the plain of Catania than is Lacodia. The mountain is in general of a very symmetrical form, a flattened cone broken on its eastern side by a deep valley called the Val del Bove, or in the provincial dialect of the peasants, Val di Bue, for here the herdsmen, in reducta vale mugientium prospectat errantes greges, Dr. Buckland was, I believe, the first English geologist who examined this valley with attention, and I am indebted to him for having described it to me, before I visited Sicily, as more worthy of attention than any single spot in that island, or perhaps in Europe. The Val del Bove commences near the summit of Etna, and descending into the woody region is farther continued on one side by a second and narrower valley, called the Val di Calana. Below this another, named the Val di Santo Giacomo, begins a long narrow ravine which is prolonged to the neighborhood of Zafarana, on the confines of the fertile region. These natural incisions into the side of the volcano are of such depth that they expose to view a great part of the structure of the entire mass, which in the Val del Bove is laid open to the depth of from 3,000 to above 4,000 feet from the summit of Etna. The geologist thus enjoys an opportunity of ascertaining how far the internal conformation of the cone corresponds with what he might have anticipated as the result of that mode of increase which has been witnessed during the historical era. End of chapter 25, part 1. Recording by Amy Koenig.